What's up, young adults? How you guys doing? Thank you, Abby. Wow. Well, Whitney uh, introduced me as the cheesy joke guy. So what? What does the Sixth Sense and Titanic have in common? I see dead people. <laughs> Woo! Guys, have a good night. Oh, man. Welcome to church, you guys. Welcome to church. If I have not met you, my name is Doug Weckenman. We are in week three of our very counterintuitive, countercultural leadership series that we are calling Two. And the first week, Jesse opened up with a sermon called, I Win When You Win. Everybody say, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. With some sass. Yeah, I do. And she talked about the biblical design of building other people up and using our lives as platforms for the people in our lives to stand on and do incredible things in this world. And then last week, I spoke on the subject, I was built for this. Everybody say, yeah, it was. Okay, and we talked about living the way God, like we, we asked the question, God, who did you design me to be? And challenged ourselves to consult the designer on who he designed us to be rather than, rather than consulting ourselves on who the designer designed us to be. Because a life where you spend it running in the lane that God has built you for is a life where passion will come easily, where you will bear fruit frequently, and you will experience peace internally. And underneath everything, when you boil it down, that's what all of us really are looking for. And tonight for week three, I want to speak to you on the subject, I'll be your confidence. So turn to the person on your right and say, I'll be your confidence. <laughs> now, turn to the person on your left and say, I'm sorry, what? I, wasn't, I was talking to the person on my right, I didn't hear you. Just gonna see how well you're following instructions this early into the message. I'll be your confidence. And so I wanna, I wanna start this way. Every single person in this room has been given a calling and a destiny by the big man upstairs. And all of those callings are different across the board. Every person in this room has future positions and roles and chairs that you are going to sit in. And that is different across the board for all of us. Every one of you has talents and giftings and passions that God has intrinsically woven into you and that is different completely across the board. There is no mold to what a Christian is supposed to look like other than the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so the point and purpose of this series is not to create some kind of second place, second chair mold and stamp the word Bible on it and say, you need to fit this second place mold. That's not the purpose of this series at all. The point of this series is to paint a picture of second chair values, to paint a picture of second chair values in a world that is completely obsessed with what it looks like to be the number one. Because while dreams and, and callings and destinies are different across the board in this room, we all have this in common. Every single one of us is called, and I, don't, I, I need no balancing statements for this. Every person in this room, myself included, is called to play the number two role when it comes to supporting the God-given destinies and callings of the people that God has placed in our lives, of our people, of our friends, right? You are called to be the confidence behind your friend's calling. 
I am called to be the confidence behind my friend's calling. That is the heartbeat of this series, that Jesus is my advocate and I am yours. Jesus is your confidence and you are mine. 1 John 3.16, this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. The ultimate number one played the ultimate number two role. And not just physically laid down his life for us, but in every way that you can imagine that. He laid down his life for us. And now the challenge is for us to do the same thing. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So can you take personally somebody else's destiny? You should write that down. That's good. Can you take personally somebody else's destiny in a world that teaches you to be hyper fixated on your own, right? Can you take personally somebody else's destiny? And so, God, I pray for tonight. I thank you for bringing every person into this room. I pray that you would shut out distractions. I pray that you would give us ears to hear you speak tonight, God, and a heart to absorb what you want to tell us. I pray this would not just be information, but it would be revelation that changes us so that we can change this world. God, we ask for your presence tonight. That's what we want. This is for your glory and for your fame. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so two weeks ago, we got a puppy in my family. You guys want to see a picture? Can you put the picture up? This is my new uh, bigger family. Look at that face. And there's a puppy, too. You don't have, you don't have to laugh at that. That's the cheapest joke ever. Wait, can you put it back up really quick? Yeah, that's Luna. She's a black lab. She is now 10 weeks old. She has three white paws. She sleeps on average ah, 20 hours a day, okay? And I want you to notice really quick before we take this photo down, my wife's face. I could show you, I could give you an album of all of our wedding day photos, and she looks happier in this photo than she does in any one of those photos. So way to go, me. But I got her a puppy, so you can take that down. In our home right now, Luna, Luna is our dog, our puppy, and she does not lack for confidence. In our condo, she is very, very brave. She has mastered going up and down the stairs. She is not afraid of thunderstorms, and she picks fights with me about 35 times a day. Most of those are between the hours of 5 and 7 a.m. So that's fun if you're me. I think that's why God made puppies cute, because if he hadn't, I would have probably killed her by now, so <laughs> I'm just being serious, okay? If you love puppies, you're going to love the next two minutes of this sermon, by the way. If you don't love puppies, you can just go ahead and get the heck out. Raise your hand. Security will come escort you out. I'm kidding, but I will give you a chance to get saved later on tonight. But Luna does not lack for confidence in our home. But recently, she has met a few of our friends' dogs because we thought it was important for her to have other friends than just me and my wife. Big parenting decision, but we made it. And uh, it just so happened, she has a crew of three other dogs that she runs with now, and they just so happen to be fully grown and completely huge dogs. Like one of them is a Great Dane, one of them is a Rhodesian Ridgeback, and one of them is a fully grown Burmese mountain dog named Nala. And Luna is literally the size of Nala's head, okay? And <laughs> they're buddies now, but that did, not, that did not happen when they were first introduced. Exhibit A, I have a quick video. 
So this is Luna and Nala. Luna is really, really confident and brave and makes a move. And right here is where reality kicks in and she sees how big Nala is. And right about here is where her confidence <laughs> fails her. Run, Luna! Forwards! <laughs> but now, now around those dogs, like they're buds now, and now it's like she has three bodyguards, right? The three dogs that she runs with just so happen to be the size of Clifford, the big red dog, okay? You guys remember Clifford? I loved those books, man. But now she's like invincible. And every time they're together now, even if other dogs are around, she'll be the most confident dog there because of her friends, right? Her friends will be her confidence. Yeah, Luna, you can chew on any toy that looks, that looks tasty. You can pee anywhere you want. You can do absolutely anything you want. We've got your back, nothing to worry about. Let us, your friends, be your confidence. And I know that this is a stretch because it's about dogs, but dog world is just where I'm at in life right now. Okay, so go with me on this. But transition, this is exactly what Jonathan did for King David roughly 3,000 years ago. Jonathan was King David's confidence. He had King David's back. He enabled David to thrive beneath the burden that David had to carry of sitting on the throne. He was David's spotter, if you will. And so if you haven't noticed yet, I do have a bench on stage right now. Some of you are like, oh, that's a, is that for exercise? Haven't seen one of those in like five years. Wow. And at this time, guys, I'd like to invite my, my good friend, Luke Gregory. Luke, will you come up on stage? Will you guys give him a round of applause? Come on, buddy. Luke, Luke is our Arvada's um, youth pastor. He's the youth pastor at Arvada. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. Oh, that was awesome. That was awful. Great start. Thank you for being here, man. I hope that's not a sign of what's to come. So Luke, Luke is, uh, come over here, man. Luke is uh, one of the best dudes that I know. Luke, let's see, he is a passionate preacher. He loves Jesus. He loves people. He's a good friend, and he's pretty much good at everything, so I'm just kind of hoping you're good at bench pressing also, or else this is not going to go well, especially for you. <laughs> better than the high five. Hope you're better at bench pressing than you are giving high fives. We're, we're going to find out. Did you take pre-workout by any chance? Tons of it. Any heart conditions I should know about before this? Probably after tonight, okay. Well, scoot over, scoot over. Luke is gonna represent David for us in this metaphor. So there's your name tag, if you wanna go ahead and put that on. <sighs> so you guys might know King David's story. You can read about it in 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. But David was born into the tribe of Judah. He was the youngest of all of his brothers, the runt of the family and least liked by his dad. Sorry, man. Sucks. Yeah. And he was a shepherd boy, and he spent most of his time up in the mountains with sheep, okay? But it was with those sheep in the mountains that David found a love for God that was more pure than anybody else on the planet at that time, which is why God gave David the nickname, a man after God's own heart, right? Which was given to him by God, which is pretty cool. And then one day, out of nowhere, this old guy named Samuel, Prophet Samuel, showed up at David's house and poured oil on his head and anointed him to be the next king of Israel. And so in one afternoon, David, by God, was given a calling. There you go, man. You can put that on your knee. I know. He was given a dream, he was given a vision for his life in one afternoon. And callings, we love callings, especially in our 20s, right? 
That's the most popular question I get asked all the time. How do I discern what my calling is? And that's a great question to ask. You should ask that question, but I think it's interesting. God revealed David's calling to David, and then God said, David, you're going to wait for now. You're going to wait. And instead, God sent David back up into the mountains to work on his character, okay? Because your character, the strength of your character is what holds your calling. So there is a limiting factor to the size of the calling that God can give you. And that limiting factor is not God. It is the strength of your character, which is why God is way more concerned with the who than he is with the what. Way more interested in who you're becoming than what you're going to do, right? And so, David, let me ask you a question. And actually, I'll answer it for you since you don't have a microphone and I know you know the right answer anyways. David, what do you do when oil gets poured on your head and God gives you a calling? What do you do when God gives you a calling? And the answer to that question, if you're serious about your calling, is you go and you strengthen your character. So go ahead, man. Warm up. Warm up. And just go until I tell you to stop. David spent years warming up for his calling, all right? Back up in the mountains with sheep. <laughs> That's not a good sign. No. David, David spent years warming up for his calling, and he grew in strength, and he grew in character. He grew a little bit, and then he killed a bear. He grew a little bit more, and then he killed a lion. He grew a little bit more, and then he killed Goliath. Literally, in one afternoon, David went from being the little shepherd boy that nobody knew about to being a national hero, a folk legend, the giant killer. So David, you can go ahead and rack that and sit up and take a few breaths, man. You just killed Goliath. You just killed Goliath, man. Way to go. That's the hardest one. You got it out of the way now. And what's interesting about this is Goliath was not the weight that David felt on his life. And this is not the moment in David's life where he becomes king of Israel. This is the moment, though, in David's life where he feels the weight of his calling for the very first time. And it's heavy, right? Because callings give your life purpose. Callings give your life purpose. Purpose gives you passion and a reason to get out of bed every single, mo every single morning. But purpose is also heavy. Purpose is also heavy, which is why callings are rich. But they make your life rich, but not because they're glamorous and not because they're easy. Callings make your life rich because they're heavy and because they're difficult. And so we're going to go ahead and put calling onto this. Thank you, bro. But here's the thing, as a Christian, you are built, you are built to carry a calling, right? You're built to carry a calling, and even if it's heavy, and if it, even if it's something that you can't carry by yourself, that's, that's kind of the point, because it's through your weaknesses that God, that God makes you strong. And it's, um, it's through your weaknesses that God makes you strong, and it's when you have more than it feels like you can handle that you give God permission in your life to come in and flex his muscles and show off a little bit and come through so that he gets the glory, so that God gets the glory. You give God permission to come through 
when you are weak. You give him permission to come through. And here's the thing. This is why, by the way, there is a big difference between living your life as a Christian like you're saved and living your life as a Christian like you're called. A huge difference between those two things. Living like you're saved is passive. Living like you're called is active. And by the way, every person in this room has a calling. And the more you begin to step into that calling, the more purpose you're going to experience in your life. But purpose has weight. Right, David? So you can go ahead and sit down on this bench. Purpose has weight. And so go ahead. Go ahead, man. And bench press your calling. And pace yourself, because you're going to go until I tell you to stop once again. <laughs> and so, so this is, you can do this with your own strength for a little while, but eventually your human strength is going to fail you. And that's kind of the design. That's kind of the point. God will oftentimes give you more than you can handle so that in that moment he can give you what you need to handle it. He will oftentimes give you more than you can handle so that in that moment he can come through and give you what you need to handle it. And for David, for David, that thing was Jonathan, okay? And I'm gonna be Jonathan tonight. It was Jonathan, because of his second chair values, Jonathan was probably the single greatest gift that God ever gave David other than his salvation. Keep going one more time. Actually, let's get one more and pretend like it's hard for you. One more, pretend like it's hard for you. Jonathan was David's confidence. Come on, David, I'll be your confidence, I'll be your confidence, and there we go. Give it up for David. <laughs> Jonathan had David's back, and, and I, want you, I want to point you to this verse really quick. 1 Samuel 18, this verse happens right after um, David kills Goliath, and this is him um, having his first interaction ever with Jonathan, with Jonathan. By the time David had finished reporting to Saul, Jonathan was deeply impressed with David, and an immediate bond was forged between them. They became buddies immediately. Yeah, man. He became committed to David. Jonathan did, okay? Became committed to David. Can you take personally somebody else's destiny? Jonathan could, became committed to David. And from that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. Translation, he would be David's number two. Which is good because now David has another decade or two of trials, if you will. And he spends some time, and I got this man, he spends some time serving Saul, King Saul, the current king in Saul's palace, He's, he's the army, he's the leader of, the, of Saul's army and starts to make Saul jealous and Saul starts to turn on him and tries to kill David by throwing spears at David, right? So bring on the trials, throws spears at David. David wisely discerns that his life is in danger and flees the palace and now David is on the run in the middle of nowhere running for his life as a fugitive, being hunted like a dog, and David is hiding in caves, okay? David is trying to stay warm from the rain. David is doing everything he can to survive, and on top of all of this, Saul is spreading false rumors about how David is a traitor against Israel, despite the fact that Saul is the problem, not David. And David, this whole time, is not fighting back. That's the craziest thing. David, you can lay down, man. David, this entire time, 
is bearing this burden and holding this weight without complaining and without fighting back. Without complaining and without fighting back. Are you ready? The burden's a little heavier. So trials, persecutions, resistance, every Every little bit of pride in him being beaten out, okay? And by the way, this burden is invisible to everybody else except for him, which, side note, is why you should always be an advocate rather than, rather than an accuser to the people who are in your life because you never know what kind of invisible burdens and trials and callings those people are carrying. This is why I am called to be the confidence behind my friend's calling. This is why Jonathan was called to be the greatest number two any future king could ask for, to have his back, to remind David who he is and what he was designed for, to say, David, I've got your back. I know who you are. I know why you took this weight off the rack in the first place, and I will be your confidence, right? You doing good? You can sit up. Here's a muscle milk for you, David. (laughs) Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will do exactly what Jesus is asking you to do. Jonathan does that. 1 Samuel 23, verse 16. Jonathan, the son of Saul, went out to David and helped him find his strength in God. Jonathan helped David find his strength in God. And so let me, let me really quick be really clear on who Jonathan was, okay? Who, who Jonathan was. Jonathan was Saul's son, a loved and celebrated general of the army, the prince of Israel, the rightful heir to the throne, okay? With no shortage of spiritual gifts. This guy had all the raw materials in the world to build his own platform and his own kingdom, and he chose instead to leverage those gifts and his calling, not to serve himself, but to spot somebody else. And so you might outrank somebody in your life. You might be the boss. You might be in the first lane, You might be in the first chair, you might be the older sibling, you might be the role model, but rankings do not matter when it comes to whether or not God is calling you to exercise the privilege of displaying your second chair values when it comes to supporting and building up the callings of the people that God has placed in your life. Because you know, these weights are are universal to a lot of us. For David, it was spears, right? I got this, man. And things like callings, these are heavy because they're important. They're heavy because they're important. For David, it was caves and spears and running for his life. For us, though, it's everything else, right? Everything else, all the little weights, and you know this is going to be heavy. Okay. These aren't fake weights, by the way. It's everything else, man. All the little weights add up in our lives. So not is it not, it's not only just your calling and trials and criticism. Like criticism is heavy. Family issues are heavy. Anxiety and depression is heavy, right? These things, financial burdens are heavy in your life. And oftentimes all of these things are completely invisible to everybody else except for you, except for the person who is trying to carry all of this weight. It's invisible, to everybody else, and you're left here with characters to support a calling that is very, very heavy, but it's heavy because it's important, and trials 
on top of everything else, we're called to take part in a mission, the most important mission the universe will ever know that has eternal significance to partner with God to make heaven more crowded every single day and you're just trying to, to worry about this right here. But God gives you everything you need in every moment. I'm gonna, hold on a sec, hold on a sec. Because I wanna set this up and then I'm gonna count to three and help you get this off, okay? So really quick, Jonathan, the rightful heir to the throne of Israel, decides to give, pass that baton to David. Give the throne to another human being. Not because he thought, well, I can't do this. I'm sure he thought, I could do a decent job at being the king. But I don't think I'm designed for this. In fact, I have a best friend that I feel like is designed for this. Hands him the baton, gives him the throne, an entire nation, and says, David, you're going to do amazing things. You are going to lead this nation because you were built and wired by God to lead this nation. And you're going to do it in a godly and courageous way. And I'm going to have your back every step of the way. And I'm not going to let you forget who God designed you to be every single step of the way. I will be your confidence. And I'm going to help you get the bar of your calling off of the rack when you need to do that. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm going to be your encouragement when you need encouragement. I'm going to be your confidence when you need confidence. I'm going to build you up when you need to be built up. I'm going to remind you of who you are and why you got this bar off the rack in the first place. I'm going to remind you what God is doing through your life and how much of a difference you're making. And when you're fatigued and you need a friend in your life and you feel like God has given you more than you can handle, God is sending me to help you carry it because I believe the one who began the good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to Completion. Hey, thank you. You're dismissed. Give Luke a round of applause, you guys. Thank you, Luke. Luke, I was going to give you the second muscle milk, but I did a lot of spotting, man, so. <laughs> and by the way, he texted me. I'm the one out of breath. That's sad. He texted me earlier today and said, dude, I feel weird about this. I don't want to be that guy on stage, bench pressing in front of all these people. Um, but I begged him to, which is why he did this, because he has my back and he's my confidence. So thank you, Luke. Oh, one more round of applause so I can. <laughs> I'll get that calling off the rack for you. I'll give you a push out the front door. I'll be your encouragement and your confidence every step of the way on the long journey. I'll remind you of who God made you to be and that it's heavy, but it's heavy for a reason and you're changing people's lives and making a difference in this world. And when the day comes when all you can do is simply hold the weight, I'll help you carry it the rest of the way. This is a picture, by the way, of Frodo and Sam for all you Lord of the Rings nerds out there who relate way more with that than a bench press. I'm with you on that, obviously, so don't worry. Frodo carried the burden of being the number one man in that story, right? And Sam was Frodo's confidence. Sam was Frodo's encouragement. 
Sam pushed Frodo out the front door, and he was Frodo's strength that allowed Frodo to do what needed to be done. He was his confidence to do the unthinkable and walk all the way to Mordor. He was his courage to do the unthinkable and walk into Mordor. And when they were on their way up, the, up Mount Doom and Frodo could not make it any further, Sam put Frodo on his back and carried him the rest of the way home, right? He took personally somebody else's destiny. He took personally somebody else's destiny, and that story would not have ended the way it did had Sam not done that, or had J.R.R. Tolkien not written it like that. 1 Samuel 23, 16, one more time. Jonathan, the son of Saul, now went out to David at Horish and helped him find his strength. Let's keep going in that. He said to him, do not be afraid, for my father Saul will not find you, and you will be king over Israel, and I will become second to you. I will become second to you. It's right there. And my father Saul also knows that. Then the two of them made a covenant before God, and David stayed in Horish, and Jonathan went home. Jonathan went to his home. And so there's no number two mold, you guys, but there are number two values. No number two mold, but there are number two values. That's what this series is about. And, and I need no balancing statement, once again, in making the point that every single person in this room is called to play the number two role when it comes to supporting the God-given destinies and dreams of our people, the people that God has placed in our lives. No matter what role you have or no matter how important the chair that you're sitting in is is to the world, right? Even if you're the president of the United States one day, please remember these values and please put them into practice because our country would be better if you did that. And tonight I just wanna leave you with a few questions to take with you and I've been pondering these questions all week. Ben, you guys can all come back out. Here's the first question right here. Do you exercise number two values at work and around your friends? Do you exercise number two values at work and around your friends? Like would your boss or leader or best friend look at you and say, I'm more confident because God has placed you in my life? Or if we're just being really honest, would your boss look at you and say, honestly, um, I feel a little bit more crippled because you are standing where my spotter is supposed to stand, but you're not doing anything to help me because you're too fixated on your weight and the calling that you have when you're supposed to be the spotter for me in the here and now. God gave me you to help me lift this weight, not just for me, but on behalf of a lot of other people. I cannot carry it on my own. What kind of values do you exercise at work? What kind of values do you exercise in your friend group? This is why the number two role is not a mold, but it's a value because Jonathan had his weight too, just like David did, right? David was the one benching the weight. David's weight was leading from the throne. Jonathan's weight was giving up the throne. He trusted God, and that led to him giving away an entire nation. And while we celebrate and glamorize David's role, Heaven throws parties over Jonathan's role with what he did. What kind of number two values do you exercise at work and in your friend group? Do you exercise number two values? Question number two, would you choose your people over position? Would you choose your people over position? Jonathan chose 
his people, not just people in general, but his people over the throne. I don't know much about the world. I'm, I know 28 years worth of the world. But I, I just don't think anybody gets to the end of their life and is sitting on their deathbed with their friends around and is talking about positions that they had in life or the salary that they had 30 years ago or the square footage of their house, right? I gotta believe all those conversations have everything to do with the people that God has placed in your life and probably the ways that you took personally their destinies. I just have to imagine stories revolve around that. Like, do you know your friend's dreams? Do you know your friend's passions? Do you know your friend's dreams? Do you know your friend's passions? Do they know yours? Are you an open book about that? Or do you, you, do you hold those cards close to your chest because you're afraid of failing in front of them because you're trying to impress them rather than enjoy their company, right? Would you choose your people over a position and focus on somebody else's calling before your own? I promise you, it is so freeing to focus on another calling that is not yours. So freeing. That's the first thing you learn when you go on any mission trip. You get away from everything that's familiar, all the distractions in your life, all the problems that you're dealing with, which by the way, are real. I'm not taking that away, are very real for every person in this room, but you get a thousand miles away from it. And maybe for the first time ever, you focus on somebody else's problems, somebody else's destiny, somebody else's calling instead of your own and there's no feeling like it. That's why you come back from trips like that and you feel like you're on a spiritual mountaintop. You feel like you're on top of the world. You feel like the most free person in the world is because you got away from your calling for a little bit. There is nothing like the feeling that comes with doing what Jonathan did for David. Can you take personally somebody else's destiny? And would you choose your people over position? I'm not saying you have to make that choice always, but if it came to it. And the last one, do you celebrate other people's wins and callings? Or do you view them as a threat to your potential or current position? Can you celebrate other people's wins and other people's destinies and other people's callings? Or do you see those things as a threat? Like, and, and don't answer this out loud. This is just for you in your heart. Are there moments where good things happen to your friends or good things happen to one of your siblings and they, they have a big win in life and they get promoted or, or, some, or they get, you know, engaged and something incredible happens and a part of you deep down can't genuinely celebrate with that person because you're too fixated on the fact that you didn't get that win, when really that win has nothing to do with the fact, has nothing to do with where you are. Can you celebrate other people's wins and other people's callings? Or do you view those wins as a threat to your future position? Let us be a group of people who can genuinely celebrate each other. Can you take personally somebody else's destiny? Because you are called to be the confidence behind your people's callings, right? Jesus, of course, was the ultimate example of that for us because callings are heavy, man. Trials are heavy and it's all invisible. And this makes you rich. It makes you rich as a leader, but not because it's glamorous and not because it's easy, but because it's heavy. But remember, Jesus said, that's why you yoke yourself to me because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. 
And he's the ultimate example of the ultimate number one. Philippians chapter 2 says he had equality with God, sitting on a throne in heaven with God, reigning over everything, yet he did not consider that something to hold on to or to grasp. He let it go and humbled himself, and that's the understatement of the year, to the ultimate number two as a servant to come and give us what none of us deserve, what none of us deserve, eternity with him. And so would you guys stand up right now? We're about to worship, but I just, I feel like I'm supposed to ask this for somebody in the room, and so I am. But there is a God who models this completely for us. And we can know that God because of Jesus Christ. That's Colossians chapter one. The glories of God are made manifest through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So if you wanna know what God is like, if you've ever wondered that, just look at who Jesus is. Read the Gospels, look at who Jesus is. And this Jesus came and lived a perfect and spotless life and then willingly went to a cross to give us what we don't deserve and take what he does not deserve. Thank God he does not do fair. Thank God he does not give us what we deserve. And it's as simple as that. The greatest exchange ever is what Luther said, where he imputes to us his righteousness and he takes our sin. And God dealt with your sin and every mistake you've ever made or ever will make on the cross. It's been dealt with because of Jesus. And all you have to do is receive that. Make no mistake, that's all you have to do, but you do have to receive it to get heaven forever one day. And this is not religion. This is not you signing up so that God can take freedom away from you. This is him wanting so much more for you than you even want for yourself. This is the God of the universe wanting a relationship, a personal relationship with you. And Jesus Christ is the only way to him. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. It's so easy, but it must be received. And so if you want to know your creator, if you want a personal relationship with the God of the universe, I'm just gonna ask you right now to be bold and to raise your hand high, raise it proud so that I can say a prayer for you. That is so awesome. Raise them high, raise them proud. <laughs> Saying that your life just changed completely does not do what just happened justice. Does not do what just happened, ju what just happened justice and I want to pray for you pray for you in just a second and remind every other person in this room that you might have been following Jesus for a while now but he makes things new every single day and I never want church for anybody in here myself included to be a motion that any of us go through where we're like oh yeah we show up it's church we sing some songs the guy or the girl gives a message it's great we give some high fives and hugs and we go home awesome another night at church that's not what this is this is the presence of God in this place tonight without God this is just Christian karaoke and a, and a fight like a pump up talk from me to you and that's the last thing any of us need he makes everything new and my prayer for you tonight if you guys would bow your heads God I pray for the people in this room who have been following you for a while I pray that you would make church new for them tonight I pray that you would make worship new for them tonight I pray that for the worship band as well that this would be like the very first experience of worship they've ever felt before God sometimes all we have to do is ask and you blow us away with your presence and how you show up so God make this new remind us of why we get out 
out of bed in the morning. Remind us of what we are so passionate about. Remind us of what eternity looks like for us. Remind us of what we have waiting for us on the other side of the time that we close our eyes for the very last time and let that seep into what we do now and fill our lungs so that we can sing songs to the one who is worthy of that. And I pray for my friends in here, my new brothers and sisters who just accepted you into their hearts. God, I pray that you would bless them. I, I pray that you would keep them. I pray that you would help them to get around other people who are gonna build them up and push them to get out the door and encourage them and be their confidence every step of the way for their journey. And in those moments when anybody in this room can only just hang on to what they've been given, God, I pray that you would give us Jonathans in our life. I pray that we would be Jonathans for other people. I pray that we would decide that now before we need those Jonathans to have those and to be those for the people in our lives. And I pray, God, that we might take personally other people's destinies and that you would teach us to be the confidence behind our friends' callings. God, we love you. And we steal this in your spirit. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys, let's worship.